Welcome to the Million Praying Moms podcast, where we have conversations about prayer and motherhood for today's Christian mom. I'm your host, Brooke McLaughlin, an author, speaker, teacher, and small town girl from the mountains of Appalachia. Over the years, I've had the privilege of encouraging countless moms toward a richer prayer life, helping them catch a vision for the partnership God invites them into as they become praying moms. It's the combination of the two that makes this podcast different. Not just motherhood, not just prayer, both. Prayer is one of the most overlooked parts of Christian parenting today. And because of that, my goal is to help you see it not as a last resort, but as your first and best response. Hey friends, and welcome to another season of the Million Praying Moms podcast. All this month, we're going to be talking about the feelings and emotions surrounding sending our kids back to school next month and learning how to trust God when trusting Him in this area feels harder than it ever has been. Of course, I'm referring to the tragic, horrific school shooting that occurred just as the 2021-2022 school year was winding down. And I want to be real and honest here. I know we have a variety of educational choices represented in the listeners of this show. Some of you homeschool, Some of you send your school to private school, and some, like me and my husband, send your children to public school. Actually, my family has, at one time or another, chosen all three educational choices, and we've gone back and forth, even even as we've chosen multiple different things. So we're experienced with the pros and cons of each one of them, but no amount of experience or knowledge can prepare us for the level of pain that we experienced or witnessed at the end of the school year and the fear that accompanies it as we think about moving our children back into it in whatever way is right for our family. So now more than ever, we need God's help to see us through it. And that's really the point of this season. For the next few weeks, we will be joined by Tara Cole, author of our newest prayer journal releasing in August, Everyday Prayers for the School Year. And we're going to talk candidly about things like how to trust God with your child in the new school year, why prayer should be top of your back-to-school priority list if you have any hope of trusting God in the new school year. We'll follow that up by giving you a strategic plan for praying your child through the new school year, and we'll finish the season with Tara reading a devotion straight from Everyday Prayers for the school year called May They Remember God's Truth. As our kids face another year, it's going to be of vital importance for us to remember God's truth, moms, but it will be of equal importance for our kids to remember it too. So please don't miss that last episode. If these episodes end up being as important to you as I think they might, and you want me to be able to offer more like them, consider becoming a part of the Million Praying Moms Patreon community for just $5 a month or get one month free when you commit to the whole year you'll automatically have an almost unlimited library of prayer resources at your fingertips, like our prayer calendars that lead you in praying through entire books of the Bible for your families, topical prayer guides on how to pray for your child to have wisdom, to mature in Christ, or to launch into a new season well, a blank prayer journal, and more. Just visit today's show notes at millionprayingmoms.com to learn more. Now, let's dive into our first episode. Well, welcome to the Million Praying Moms podcast, Tara. I would love it if you would take just a moment to tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, your family, and your ministry. Hi, again, my name is Tara Cole, and I am a teacher, a mother, author, wife, podcaster, all the things. And I'm a writing teacher at a state college here in Oklahoma. 
I have been married for 20 years to my husband and I have three sons who are, let's see if I can remember their ages, 12, 10, and seven. We're getting right into the birthday season. And so I, that always messes me up. And my ministry is Over a Cup is my podcast. And I have been blogging and podcasting for um, many years online and in the online space. But really, my ministry is to help moms to connect themselves to Jesus and abide with him daily so they can pass that on and help their children build a foundation of faith. Because I found that um, that's the most important thing we can do, because all of us have like things that go on in our homes and our lives and crises. But when we're connected to Jesus and connect our children to Jesus, then that makes all the difference. Absolutely. Amen. I love what you do, Tara. And I will say we have just come out of the birthday season. So I totally know what you're saying. We go through it. And my husband's is included in it. Um, Our anniversary is a part of it. My husband was just telling. So when we're recording this, guys, uh, yesterday was Father's Day in the United States. And my husband was just telling everybody, man, my wife gets it all. She's like my birthday and then Valentine's Day. And then like, it just, you know, I get all this. But then we go through a specific season when it's all the boys. So I'm completely familiar with that and now have a 15 and 17 year old. So my goodness, I don't even know how I got old enough to have a 17 year old, but there he is. So, you know, it just happens. Well, I'm really glad to have you with us today. And I think that this is going to be a really important episode for people. Um, As you know, Tara, uh, the United States and most of the watching world ended the 2021 and 2022 school year on a really tragic note. We grieved deeply together for the families that were affected by the Texas school shooting. And you know, we've continued to keep these precious people, the, the, the precious families in our prayers throughout the summer. So it's really fresh. You know, it, it's happened a few months ago now, um, but it's fresh and we're still feeling it. You're a teacher on the university level, which, as the Virginia Tech shootings of 2007 proved, does not make you exempt. And we both have our kids in public school. But beyond that, similar tragedies have happened in movie theaters, in private homes, and in all manner of other public places. And I I don't think the answer to protecting our kids lies solely with educational choice. I really don't. And I know many of our listeners are just across the board on what they choose for their families. But I think the answer is in learning to listen to the Lord and trusting Him with our kids' lives. So why do you think that it's so hard for us to trust the Lord with our kids' lives as parents? For me, it is because, of course, and as for all of you, they are the most precious and important things to me. It's easier to say, God, do with my ministry what you want. God, do with my teaching job what you want. But when it comes to my children, they are my most precious possession. And so it helps me to remember that I am a steward of them. They don't belong to me. And that makes all the difference. And of course, your children are yours. But when I think of them as I am a steward of this, God has given them to me to help them grow into who he wants them to be. But ultimately, they are his. It reminds me, even on those hard, scary days, that he cares and loves them more than I possibly ever could. He sees their hearts even when I can't. And so as much as I love them and invested in them, he is even more so. And I have to remind myself of that constantly because, as you said, I am a university teacher. My kids are in public school. Even my husband works in a high risk area. 
And for um, years, I would go to bed terrified at night. Like it would keep me up at night. I was so scared. Even before my kids and I were in the public school sector, my husband has worked for 20 years in a um, sector where he's also in one of those situations. I finally had to, um, and Stacey Thacker does a good job of this because her husband also had a job where he was gone and um, had some things going on for a while, but um, to cling to God's word in those seasons. So I would even imagine kind of the angels watching over my kids um, because the Bible says that our children have angels who see his face. That's not a fantasical concept. But I would imagine his angels around them and protecting them. I would repeat those verses to me, especially Psalm 91 about trusting him. But even as we went into the public school sector, and I know that's where our family is called during the season, I had to walk through those thoughts. So in some ways, I would work on my heart to trust God. In other ways, I um, would make practical steps to keep my kids and I as safe as possible. And what I mean is I went back to university teaching live when my youngest son was 18 months old. I had the opportunity to have him at a childcare center on campus, but chose not to. I purposefully moved him off campus to somewhere else because if there was a school incident, I wanted to be able to be a teacher to my students and to stay in that classroom with them and protect them rather than being scared about my son across campus and trying to protect him. I wanted to be a teacher and not a mother in that instant. Right. And so even with my own children, as soon as that shooting happened, my mom almost texted me immediately and said, what is your school system doing to keep the kids safe? And so I told her, we don't need to talk to the superintendent. Cause she's like, who do I need to call? I was like, yes, we don't need yeah. to do that. For the record, my dad, I got the same text. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So I said, these are the steps we have in place to keep them safe. I think the school system that we are currently in is doing the very best job they can. And so there's nothing we need to do. But if you're in a school system that, that you think they could take extra measures, by all means, pray about it. Go to those school board meetings. Talk to your superintendent if there's more you think they could be doing to keep your kids safe. But the first thing we need to do is I needed to trust, take my heart and trust God with them. And that sometimes is a daily struggle. Even this morning, I was praying, God, please help me to trust you with today because I don't have enough for it. But I'm going to trust you with the energy, the strength, all the things I need for today and trust you with my family too. Yeah, that's a really great way to look at that. And I know you know, I know that in a lot of the Christian faith, it's easier to say things than it is to do things. But I think it starts with saying the right thing and knowing the right thing and then choosing to try and live out the right thing on a daily basis. Um, as you know, Tara, my husband has kind of a high stress, high, you know, high risk job as well. And people have asked me over the years, how do you not worry about him constantly? And my answer has always been, and I mean this, and it is the truth of our situation that I believe that the Bible says that every one of his days is written in God's book, that before he was even born, God knew exactly what the length of days, what his length of days would be. And so I'm trusting not in necessarily what happens or does not happen to him, but I'm trusting in the fact that God is in control and sovereign and that he already knows the end of my husband's days. And that may have absolutely nothing to do with his job. It mm -hmm. may or may not. Right. And so and, and so it is for all of us. God already knows the end result. 
but it can still be hard to trust him. And so what I'd like to do is tackle this kind of from a biblical standpoint. What does it actually mean from that biblical standpoint to trust God with our children? What are we saying Because it's easy to do that. It's easy to say, I want to trust you with my children, Lord. And I think we all do. But what does that actually mean to do that? Well, I think of three different instances that have come up lately. Um, As you know, and I'm not sure some of your listeners know, I recently found out I have chronic fatigue. That is ridiculously hard with three active boys. Yes, God and I have fought over that a lot over the last nine months since I was diagnosed with that. I was tired about a year or so before that. I was trying to figure out after a year of testing, I found I have chronic fatigue. And God and I have wrestled back and forth with that. But that's what I meant even this morning, being down on my knees saying, God, you, I've got to trust you for today. Because I woke up and I hurt all over and I was exhausted and my throat, I did not feel good this morning. I was like, God, you know what today holds and you've got to show up. Mm-hmm. And so I just, a lot of times I struggle with even being a good mom in that instant. Like, how can I be a good mom to three boys when I'm struggling with chronic fatigue and want to take naps all the time? Mm-hmm. I'm like, God, this is not a story I wanted to find myself in. But like you just said, he numbers our days. He knows what we're going through. And so I have to trust him to show up in that instance. This is part of their story he's writing. He has a reason for it, even if I don't know why. And I have to trust him in the question marks. But as I was thinking through that and I was reading my Bible last week, I've been reading the Bible chronologically this year, which has just been so eye opening. So if you have the opportunity to do that, I would highly suggest it um, to our listeners. And I don't I'm not even sort of on track. I think I'm in April somewhere and it's June. But as I was reading David, I realized that unlike the patriarchs who came before him, And kind of took matters into their own hands whenever the promise didn't look like it was coming to pass. Because God promised David when he was a young teenager, he was anointed king over Israel. He spent many years of running from Saul and then seven years of being king over Judah, but not king over Israel. But in every single instance, he had the ability to kill Saul on at least two occasions. Um, He didn't take it into his own hands. He constantly in the Psalms chooses to trust God. Even um, when people come to him saying, hey, we killed Saul. Hey, we killed Saul's son. Now you can be king. He has those. He killed those people because he says, who were you to make this come to pass? God could have done it on his own. Why did you do this to the king, the Lord's anointed? And so David's example time and time again, and even after he's king and has all the success, He continues to ask God for direction. In at least two occasions, it says that before going into battle, David prayed and asked God if he would win. And so watching David's trust has helped show me, okay, this is why he was a man after God's own heart. Not because the circumstances were easy, not because he wasn't afraid, because we know from reading the Psalms he was, but because he chose to trust God even in the storm when God did not remove it. And then I've even watched some friends walk through this this week with their child. Um, I have volunteered for what's called here the Demand Project and um, supported them for close to seven years now. And so I have watched their kids grow up with that. But um, Sunday a week ago, their 18-year-old daughter was killed in a car wreck. Hmm. It was 
it's devastating and it's tragic. And there aren't even words to describe how much that family hurts and how much the community surrounding them hurts because of um, that car accident. Um, I watched her grow up from the time she was my kid's age as I showed up at events and volunteered and things like that. And um, there, there's just not words. Right. But at her funeral on Friday, her family, um, the level of trust they had in God and putting their hope in him saying, we know she is in heaven. We know that Hannah is there with Jesus right now. We don't know why this happened. We are devastated um, and we're and hurting over her um, death. But um, watching the hope they had that knowing that she was in heaven, knowing that God numbered her days and that celebration of life became a praise and worship service. Mm-hmm. The prayers that were prayed, the um, way the um, ministers led that service, the remarks by her family, and then watching her mom, even in her own hurt and pain, turn to the girl who was driving the car and say, we forgive you and we love you and we're here for you. That was watching their faith lived out. I knew who they were from working with them for close to seven years and supporting their ministry. But in that instance, and seeing how they wrapped around that tragedy and even in their tears, they still chose love and forgiveness. And I think that's what it comes down to. Trust is not a feeling. Trust is a choice. Yeah. I don't feel like trusting God with my kids on days when I wake up hurting and I'm like, God, I got three boys to take care of. What's good. I need to make this day good for them. How can I do this? God, we're all, all have to go to school today. We have no idea if all of us will come home tonight, but I may not feel that feeling of trust, but I think just like love is a choice. Sometimes trust is a choice because Mm -hmm. on that stage on Friday, I watched Hannah's mom, Kristen choose love and forgiveness even in her own pain. Hmm. And so I think that's where it comes down to. It's a choice, even when we don't feel it all the time. I would add to that, Tara, that I think much of the Christian life is a choice. And we get into problems when we expect it to be a feeling. Mm -hmm. It, It is not most of the time. In fact, my experience, my personal experience is that when I choose to walk in obedience anyways, like when I don't feel like it, but I choose to do it anyways, then most of the time the feelings come after that. So even, you know, this is, this is a ministry about prayer and I'm just going to confess that sometimes I don't want to pray. Sometimes I don't feel like sitting down at the table and spending a long time in prayer or even a little bit of time in prayer. Sometimes I'm distracted. Sometimes I'm mad at God. Sometimes I'm upset with my kids, the tone of my home, the tone of my marriage. There's any, any kinds of, of things that can distract us and not make us feel like we want to do what God's called us to do. But I've been doing this long enough now to know that I've, if I will just put my butt in the chair and do it anyways, then nine times out of 10, God will meet me there and bring something that I'm really glad that I did it for. You know, it was worth it to do it. And so I really think that, you know, it's, it's not just in trusting the Lord. It's in any act of obedience that we don't want to do or don't know how to do. And I, I think often of the verse, in the Bible that uh, I believe it was a a soldier that was saying to the Lord, I do believe, help my unbelief. I feel like I pray that all the time. 
Lord, I do believe that your word is true. I do believe that your plans for me and my children are good. I do believe that you're in control of even the tiniest detail. Even if that detail is not what I want it to be, I believe that it comes from good hands. I believe all of that. But man, there's still so much doubt in me. There's still so much I don't believe. Would you help me in that? Because I'm human and I need you. And I think that might be the key is we are walking into this new school season acutely aware of how much we need God, how little control we actually have as parents and how much we need the Lord. So as I have studied God's word over the years, it's become clear to me. And even in my own experience as a mom, it's become clear to me that choosing to trust God with something as precious as my children does not guarantee the outcome that I hope and pray for. And I think it's important to address that as a part of this larger conversation, maybe in terms of God's sovereignty or from the perspective of the building of his greater kingdom. When I think about this issue, I just, you know, I love Elizabeth Elliot. Um, I don't, I wouldn't say that I agree with her a hundred percent of the time, but I, I love her story and I love most like probably 99.9% of what she says, I feel like is so good for us as believers today. And so when I think about praying for something and not getting it, I can't help but think about her and her husband, Jim Elliott. And so I know that a lot of you who listen to this show may be familiar with them because I've mentioned them before lots of times. But in case you're new to this, the show and you haven't, Jim Elliott was one of five men who were speared to death while trying to reach a violent Indian group with the message of the gospel. This was an unreached population of uh, of Indians who were extremely violent in their nature. And God called this group of five men to reach them. And when he died, Jim and Elizabeth Elliot had an infant daughter. And so Elizabeth was left to care for this daughter who was very young on her own. And I listened to Elizabeth talk about this once. Uh, If you're interested in listening to her into this talk, I will leave a note uh, about it in the show notes where you can find it. But she said that she had asked God after Jim died, she had asked God, why, why did you have to take such an incredible man from our lives? Why does my daughter have to grow up having no memory of her amazing father. Like she was so young when he passed, she would not remember him at all. She had questions like that, which I think are completely normal. And most of us would have those same questions. And she said in this talk that she felt like the Lord replied to her and said, Elizabeth, I love you and your family, but the ushering in of my kingdom is about so much more than only you and your fatherless child. And when I heard her say that, Tara, I admit that I thought, ouch, like, ooh, you know, that just felt, ooh, that, you know, like that's hard to say to someone. That's hard. That's difficult. That's not necessarily, you know, when I was trying to think of, of ways, things that I could say to comfort, um, you know, not just the families who lost their children in Texas, but even just the broader population, I was thinking about that, but I did not say that because that's painful, that's hurtful, but it isn't untrue. So I would love it if we could unpack the unknown side of trust. How do we make peace with what we can't see and with what we know we simply can't control? 
Whenever I think of, like you said, that ouch statement, I think of the story of Jesus and Lazarus. I think it's in John 11, where um, Mary and Martha called for Jesus. They were Jesus's close friends. If anybody had a right to have him come and take them out of the pain, it was them. Or had the ability to call on Jesus to take him out. They were not just friends, but they were very close friends with him. But when Jesus hears that Lazarus is sick, he stays where he is. And then later in the chapter, he tells them straight out an ouch statement. Um, his apostles, he tells them, this is to be done for God's glory. This is going to be gl- bring glory to God. And when he shows up, even though Jesus knows what steps he's going to take, and in this instance, he actually is going to raise Lazarus from the dead, as we all know. He takes time to weep with Mary and Martha in their pain. That's the shortest verse in the Bible when our kids memorize first is Jesus wept. So even though he knew this was going to bring glory to God, he knew the end of the story. He still weeps with us. So even when our circumstances are hard and Mary and Martha didn't know why. And that's one thing I think that um, stops us from trusting sometimes. And one of my friends has just mentioned this in the Bible study I'm doing with her is that when we seek to know why before we trust, then that kind of undoes it sometimes when we try to find the answers before we choose to trust, because it may be years Uh before we know the answers. I have a prayer I've been praying for over 20 years now. It's not answered. To my knowledge, it has no, God has no intention of answering it anytime soon. I don't know why this circumstance is happening, but I'm going to choose to trust in it, even though I don't know the answers and that's hard, but God doesn't need to give me answers in order for me to choose trust. Mm -hmm. And Jesus came into, he does it several times. There's several other stories in the Bible where he allows his apostles, he allows his friends to go through something hard, but he says, ultimately this will bring glory to God. And even at Hannah's funeral on Friday, I could already see I don't know why she died. I, it may be years before anybody sees any anything come of that, that they say, maybe this is why. Maybe nobody will ever know why. That's what I was going to say. I, I don't know that God always allows right. us the ability to know why. But we saw them bring glory to him even in that moment. So for those people who were there, there were all kinds of teenagers there from the community because she had just graduated as a senior from high school. I saw an entire police department there because her dad had worked for that police department in the past. Maybe watching that play out still brought glory to God in that instance. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it did. Even I, as a Christian, was moved by what I saw mm-hmm. and my, brought my three boys with me. And I said, if you have any questions about what you saw here in the coming days and weeks and months, let me know. But even in that moment, I saw them giving glory to God, even in the heart and choosing to trust him, even when they didn't have the answers. That's so good. I Don't you think, Tara, that the ultimate battle that we're dealing with, because I can see, you know, you're, you're telling the story, but I think it would also be a, a really uh, natural human reaction for a mom to be listening to this and say, okay, but I'm not really, I don't want to glorify God. I want my child back. Right. You know, like th- I think that's just a very normal human reaction to losing something this precious. And her dad said that. He said, I'm struggling with God. I'm mad. So with that, and I think the, um, one of the ministers said it best. I can't remember if it was a minister. It was something I heard in the last week. 
I think it was at Mr. But it was something I heard in the last week, which made sense is that Satan is after our souls. Mm-hmm. That is his ultimate goal is to hurt God and get our souls in whatever way, shape or form he can get them. And so through the story of Job, it was my friend, Lori. That's where I got this from. Um, it was my friend, Lori, who taught this in our Bible class. She was using the story of Job to show how um, sometimes God allows Satan access to hurt us through our financial circumstances, our physical circumstances, and even our bodies. But ultimately, his main goal is our souls. So stuff happens. And though God may not always cause it, he does at the very least allow it, which hurts. And yeah. what reading the Psalms, we have we can get mad with God. Mm-hmm. We could take that to God and say, God, I am angry with you and this hurts. Mm-hmm. But like we see in the Psalms over and over again, that, um, and that Gina said this in her prayers of lament, which I think was really impactful that what you can bring to God, your raw feelings, just like we saw um, Hannah's dad bringing her, his raw and said, God, I am angry and this hurts and I don't understand. And I'm devastated that you took my baby girl to come back in those prayers of lament and remind us of God's faithfulness in the past and trusting him with our futures even when we're angry and it hurts. And I've had friends lose babies. She lost her two twins about um, 14 years ago, one right after the other. And she was downright angry with God. I have seen her wrestle with God. And if I could say, she even would cuss at God and say, Mm -hmm. God, I am not just a little bit angry. Mm -hmm. I am furious with you for taking my babies. Mm -hmm. But she still stayed. I think the key is that when you're angry with God, you have a choice to be angry and to yes. take it to him and face him and focus on him, or you have a chance to walk away. Yeah. And the difference is standing there at his feet and wrestling with him and still keeping your focus on Jesus, even when you're angry, instead of walking away and shutting the door. Yeah. I think of um, one of my favorite stories from the Bible is when, you know, the disciples have been following Jesus and he's doing these signs and wonders. And, and of course, when he's doing that, when he's healing people and doing good things, everybody wants to be a part of that. Like do that for me, Lord, do that for my child, Lord. We love Jesus. He's the, he's the healer. Of course, when God does something like that, we want to follow him. But there came a point when Jesus, you know, things started changing a little bit and he started talking about, you know, more difficult things and, and uh, more challenging things. And then people started to fall away a little bit. And I remember there was a point where Jesus looks at the disciples and he said, are you going away too? And Peter looks at him and says, Lord, we have come to believe that you are the, you are the, the Christ, the son of the living God. Like, this is what we believe. Where are we? If Where are we going to go? If we turn away from you, where are we going to go? And I think that as I have experienced, um, you know, I have not lost a child, but we've lost several families. Well, I have lost a child. We had a miscarriage. You know, I have my two healthy children here, but we did lose a baby and um, we've lost several family members. We've lost, you know, loved ones that were not necessarily family. Um, so there's plenty of, of, um, loss in most of our lives. Everyone listening has lost something or someone. And I have felt that. I have felt that being mad at God or angry with the Lord. And and yet, and I've said this for years, Tara, I don't think once that we know 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 in our hearts who Jesus is, you can't just unknow that. 
You can't just unknow it. Uh, you know, and maybe that comes from my own personal theology. But once you know the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, you can be mad at him and you might choose to walk away from him. And, and that is a choice that he will allow us to take. But you can't unknow what you know. And so when I found myself in that situation after our miscarriage, when we were upset with the Lord and didn't understand why he had allowed this to happen, um, I remember reading those words of Peter and thinking, yeah, where am I going to go? I know the truth. I know the truth. And and even though I don't feel the truth right now, even though I, uh, I hurt right now, Lord, even though this is so painful right now, Lord, I know the truth and I can't unknow it. And that is that you're good and that you're kind and that you're loving and that you're true. And I think part of what we can do, and, and Stacey and I actually talk about this inside of uh, unraveled when, as it pertains to our friend Tracy Lane, who lost a son in the Virginia Tech shootings. Um, one of the things that Tracy told us as we were interviewing her was she had built her foundation. She had built a solid foundation before that gunman took her son. And so we always say to people, start building now, decide now that God is good. Get to know him now. Do you believe that the word of God is true no matter what happens in your life? If you're not sure, decide now before the tragedies come, before the hard things come, because that is what we have to build our house on so that when the storms come, and it's like you said, like when they come, it's not if they're going to come, it's when they're going to come our houses won't be shaken. That's the only way to be able to handle it. So I love this. I love it. I mean, it is, God is real. God is, we can be real with him. He knows we hurt. He weeps with us when we hurt. And sometimes we question whether or not he's good when he allows bad things to happen. But those are the questions that we need to be asking now before the pain comes. And so that's such a great way to look at it. I'd like to get really practical and talk about ways that you have found in your own life to maintain trust in God as it relates to your children. Like, give us some meat. You know, we've we've been talking. Uh, well, it's not that we haven't had meat, but let's put feet to the meat, if you will. How do we how do we put that into practice, especially as we're getting ready to send our kids? Um, you know, we're getting ready to start the school year in, on the heels of such a tragedy that we just went through. Well, um. One of the way things we've done for a long time, I'll give you two things, but both relate to prayer because that's really where it starts is as I drop my kids off at school, as I drive myself to school some mornings, I pray. I ask God for our safety, but I also ask him to be present mm-hmm. because as my friend said, whenever she lost her two twins um, as babies. She said, we did not get the healer God in that moment, but we got the provider God. So I just ask him to be with us mm-hmm. yeah. moments and I hand them over to him. Sometimes I have to imagine in my head, me actually picking them up and putting them in their, their arms. When they were really little, I would imagine his angels with them. And I'm, I'm very visual storyteller person. So I would even give names to the angels. Um, so I'd say, please let this angel. And I know there's that there's all kinds of theology you could say about that, but we know there's that verse that says our children have angels who see God's face. And so I would just 
imagine these angels standing around them and being with them. So, and with myself and just ask God to be present with them that day to protect them. Of course, I want them to come home safe on that day, but to be with us and whatever they went through. Cause even if an incident did not happen at school, there was still bullies and trouble with teachers and trouble with grades. There's lots of other things going on through the school day besides having to worry about an incident happening. And so I just ask God to be with them and with me. The next thing, and this kind of, um, I'll give you some verses to go with this because Mm -hmm. they go hand in hand for me, is that um, for years, even before I had kids, when I would have a big concern on my heart that I couldn't just seem to hand over to God, that I was struggling and kept taking back. On my bookshelves behind me, um, there is a prayer box. And so I wrote some verses that I would put in the lid of the prayer box. I kind of connected there. And then I would write these prayers on um, note cards and I would put them in the box because besides a, a in my head reminder, imagining I needed a tangible reminder mm-hmm. of physically handing this to God. And so some of the verses I wrote in the top of that prayer box were in Psalms 33 and then Psalms 34. So Psalms 33, 20 through 22 says, we wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. In him, our hearts rejoice for we trust in his holy name. May your unfailing love be with us, Lord, even as we put our hope in you. And then Psalm 34, 4 says, I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. And so I put those verses in the lid of that box. So whenever I would think of taking those things back, I would walk myself through those verses and even as my son was experiencing some real fears when he was younger, I put these together as a blessing for him. And I still say that blessing over him every single night and go yes. through these verses with him. But it reminds us that one, I'm waiting for God. He may not have answered that prayer yet, but I'm still going to wait and hope for him. And I know you've written a ton of hopes on hope mm-hmm. um, because not because just he's God. He is our help and our shield. We can rejoice in him because we trust in him and we're choosing trust. And they are asking that his unfailing love be upon us, even as we put our hope in him. And so his unfailing love comes in many different forms. A lot of times I think we think of love as puppies and kittens and rainbows and roses. But as I've said several times lately, um, I love my children most or love. I'm choosing love the most on those days when they are the hardest. It is easy to love a child when they're being loving and kind and following directions. But when they are disobeying and we're going head to head, I can choose to not love them, to do the easy thing Uh and walk away and let them grow up to be hoodlums. That's the easy choice to ignore them, to go get on my phone and walk away and say, Uh I don't want to deal with this. Choosing love for me in that instance is the hard choice. I have to stand toe to toe with them. I pray for wisdom in those instances, even as I'm talking to them or maybe walking away because I'm mad and I need a few minutes, but I'm choosing to love them in that moment. And my choice of love is more powerful, I think, even on those easy days Uh Um, or when they were babies and first put in my arms, because that is the hardest instant it is to choose love. And so God's love, it's not always puppies, kittens, and rainbows either. He's loving us hard on those days when we're being outright disobedient or we're angry with him because something hurt. But we're going to choose it 
And then that verse four in Psalms 34 says, I sought the Lord. So we're seeking him. We're constantly seeking him with our waiting and our doubts and our fears and our anger. And he answered me. We might have to wait. Uh In the Bible, there's stories and stories and stories of them waiting for years for their answers. Some of them, like Abraham, never even saw the promise fulfilled. Right. But God always answers and he delivers us from our fears. And so I remind myself of those truths, especially on those days when I'm afraid. And like I said, I have that prayer box where I might have to physically write down these prayers that are really, I'm struggling to, that I keep taking back and physically put them in the box and shut the lid. Mm-hmm. And I just have there, God, as I'm putting these in, in here, I'm putting them in your hands and taking them out of mine. And every time I try to take them back, this is my reminder that they are in your capable hands. Mm, I love that. Such a great physical reminder. I, I have had prayer boxes at various points throughout my life, and I'm not using one right now. But I love the tactile reminder, like I'm shutting the lid on this because I'm trusting you with this prayer. I'm trusting you with this need. And I'm shutting the lid on it because it is yours, Lord. You are the only one that can work in this area. That's really awesome. That's a great, I love that so much. So you've already shared a few verses with us. Are there any others that you have written down or that would be your favorites that parents can study and pray as they seek to trust God with their children in the upcoming school year? One of my favorite Psalms. So Psalms 33 and 34 are two of my hands down favorites. Even when our family growing up was struggling with something um, and we struggled again for years with it, those three verses at the end of Psalm 33, 20 through 22 were some of my favorites that I clung to. But along with that, Psalm 139 has been one of my favorites. And the reason I love it is because um, it talks about how God is with us. And those verses that we quoted earlier about um, you and I both mentioned about all our days being written in this book come from Psalm 139. And so I love and return to that Psalm over and over again when I'm afraid, because it reminds me that no matter where I go or where my children go, God is present. He is there. It doesn't matter whether I go to the left or the right, or even if you're struggling with a child who may not be going into an unsafe physical situation. But if you have a child who has chosen to be wayward, there is a verse in that psalm that says, even if I go down to Shiloh, which is the netherworld, if you're a Minecraft fan, or Mm -hmm. um, the um, it's also kind of like the hell for that time. Even if I choose to go make my bed in Shiloh, even there, you are with me. Your right hand will guide me and hold me fast. So if you're listening to this and you're thinking my kids are going to the school year or I have friends whose kids are in the teen years and they're making poor choices, I want to um, encourage you that God is with them there. Even if they are choosing to make their bed and lie down in those places of darkness, God is still there with them and he's still with you. And he cares about them even more than you could. Because like those verses say um, further down in that psalm, He knit them together in your womb. Mm -hmm. He saw them and he loves them and they were created on purpose for a purpose. And so I return to that Psalm over and over again to remind my mama heart that God is with us and how much he loves us. Yeah. You know, as you were talking, Tara, I couldn't help but think that so often we are, we are looking for God to help us by fixing the situation or 
providing a way out of the situation or going back to the way things were before the situation happened. That's the way that we perceive God helping us is to get us out of it or to make it go away. But really, the scriptures tell us something different, and that is that God is our help. It's not necessarily what he's going to do for us. It's himself that is our help. It's him. It's his presence. It's 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 the, the knowing of him, the experiencing of him, the comfort uh, that he provides. That is our help. And the, the side benefit of knowing the Lord is that he is moving and orchestrating and changing and weaving and knitting all things together for our good. And so he is at work in our circumstances. But if we're looking for help, it's himself that he gives us more than anything else. And I think we forget that sometimes as believers. So, And one thing I got to say to my son recently, because I have a 12-year-old, so we're getting to that age of those good conversations in the mm-hmm. car. He turned to me and asked me when we were alone, he said, Mom, with you so tired and sleeping all the time, because he knows I have rest time every day, and that's when I go take a nap, and honestly, they play video games. Mm-hmm. And it works. It's what's working right now. And we're still figuring this out. And I don't know why. I have no idea why. But in that moment, he said, Mom, would you choose for this to go away? Why Why is this happening? And I said, buddy, I don't know why. I was like, and if I could choose, yes, I would want it gone in an instant. But it's not. However, I still see God showing up and helping me on those days. I was like, it has taught me to lean into him more. It has taught me to look to him for my strength. Mm-hmm. So every single day I am praying for strength to make it through the day. I am praying for wisdom to make it through the day. I was like, I used to be able to do things on my own. I mean, on my own in quotation marks. Mm-hmm. I had enough energy that my to-do list was a mile long. And by golly, I could conquer that thing by the end of the day pretty easily. Um, my friends pre this um, know me. I could juggle templates at once and do it pretty effectively. Nowadays, I'm lucky to juggle three mm-hmm. of that. Um, and usually it's not very effectively. I even told my husband last night, he was giving me a list of stuff to do before we left for vacation. I was like, text me because I will forget. He was like, but what about the, I like text me because I will forget. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, even my brain feels mushy nowadays. And so um, I got to testify, share with my son that even in this hard, God was still seeing me through it. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, I would want this gone yesterday if I could. But I thought that moment mattered because before my son knew I trusted God, I mean, obviously he overhears me recording podcasts and praying and God, we abide constantly in our home with Jesus. Um, He is the air we breathe. But now in this trial, he sees me actively walking out what I've been preaching for years. Mm -hmm. And so um, during those times of hurt, we don't know why we don't. And we may never know, like you pointed out, but I think for our kids to see us showing up at Jesus's feet, even with our questions, that matters a lot. It does. It does. All right. Thank you for these, Tara. This has been so good. Um, Guys, we'll have all those verses available in the show notes for anyone who wants to pray through them. So you can check those out. 
go ahead, please, and pre-order your copy of Tara's new book, Everyday Prayers for the School Year, anywhere books are sold. If you visit today's show notes, you can learn more about some bonuses that we're offering for pre-ordering that are available through August the 2nd, which is not that far away. So don't forget to come back next week as well when Tara and I will talk about why prayer should be top of your back to school priority list. If you have any hope of trusting God through it, it's going to be another great session. Till then, friends, the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look with favor on you and give you peace. Thanks for joining me for today's episode of Million Praying Moms. You can connect with other praying women by following us on Instagram at Million Praying Moms or by visiting our website where you'll find tools to guide you as a praying mom, like our monthly scripture-inspired prayer calendars. Yours for only $5 a month when you become a patron of Million Praying Moms. If you love this podcast and want to be a part of making sure it sticks around and reaches other moms with the message that prayer is not a last resort, but the first and best response to motherhood, consider joining our Patreon family. There are options for everyone, including our $5 a month prayer calendar option, perfect for both the beginner and seasoned praying mom who wants to pray God's word for her children. Depending upon your needs, you can get access to our classes, courses, podcast scripts, discussion questions for each podcast, and even vote on certain aspects related to the ministry of Million Praying Moths. And I also have a free gift for you too. Download your free copy of my resource, How to Pray God's Word for Your Children, when you subscribe to the podcast. It's a step-by-step guide for how to get started praying the scriptures for yourself and your family. If you love this podcast, would you help us reach more moms with our message by leaving a review wherever you listen to podcasts. We sure would appreciate it. Find all the links you need at millionprayingmoms.com. Have you ever considered yourself a messenger? Whether it's mics like this, bookshelves around the world, stages to take or art to make, or perhaps businesses to build, it's time we start testifying truth unashamedly, creatively, and in love. My name is Tamara Andress, the host of the Messenger Movement Podcast, which is designed to catalyze Christians to speak, write, build, and testify. If you're ready to turn your message into a movement and want to run with other messengers doing the thing at scale globally, search and follow the Messenger Movement Podcast on your favorite podcast platform today or lifeaudio.com.